Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast. Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. So to kick off today's episode, we had a great suggestion from Nicole Ross in Indiana. She is a first grade teacher. And with all of the excitement around Christmas and us talking about the Santa tracker, she wanted us to see something awesome. And it's called the Reindeer Cam. It's reindeercam.com. And it's a live feed watching reindeer. And let me tell you, this is just so adorable like uh, the i can feel the excitement surrounding this when you watch this this is santa's official reindeer live feed and i am watching the reindeer just kind of hanging out right now feeding a little hanging out in the snow and it's just so cute i can't i mean like i can't stand it matt <laughs> I, know. I, I am like giddy and giggly <laughs> like a little kid right now um, I know. There, there's there's so, and this is there's this super cool little tracker down at our ticker ticker down below where you can join the nice list and your name will scroll across the bottom how cool is that I know it's it's awesome. I mean, they they say that in these uh live feeds that sometimes Santa comes on and appears with his elves and reads his mail and does crafts or he might read a story. Um there's story times, there's just all sorts of little things that they do in addition to just being able to watch reindeer. And yeah, the nice list ticker. Oh my goodness. That's, that's so great to be able to actually see your name down on the bottom of that. So anyway, if you've got kids or if you're still very much a kid at heart or whatever and you want to go check this out um nicole even suggested she said this is a lot of fun for the kiddos because at 11 a.m eastern time for indiana i think south bend's on eastern time we're in school and it's a nice break that lasts about 10 or 15 minutes and they really enjoy it so there you go if you're still in school if you've got maybe a couple days left before um before your holiday break while you're listening to this then that that may be some fun so as much fun as that is, we're going to take our sights away from reindeer and turn to a different kind of sights, and that would be Google Sites. See what I just did there? I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. It gets it gets pretty, pretty corny around here sometimes. Okay. So anyway, in this episode today, we're going to be talking about Google Sites and how you can supersize learning with it. 
Um, we also have Google News and updates, which includes a massive landmark Google update that we have been begging for for a long time. And if you are a log time listener of the podcast, you already know what I'm talking about because Casey and I talk about it all the time. Plus, we have some feedback from our listeners and some blog posts to share with you. So let's go. Who's ready for some Google news and updates? I think this is the favorite segment for, for many people. I think it's, it's fun just to try to keep up, right, Matt? Oh, yeah. And it's not easy to keep it's up either. It's not easy. This is, this is, this is difficult, but this helps us stay up to date too. Well, I just discovered something, uh, super cool, a little bit geeky, um, tells you a lot about me, but, uh, in the Google Drive Twitter feed, they have a link to something called Stranger Docs. And so those of you who are Stranger Things fans will appreciate this. And yes, I am one too. And uh, it says Demogorgon, Demo Dogs, Demo Docs. And they have this gif of the two creators, the two brothers of of Stranger Things. And Matt is is typing at the top regular. And then Ross is coming in and he's typing upside down like he's in the upside down. And so I just totally geeked out over it. It was just really cool. And what came out of this was these two just uh, were quoted in an article that they actually use Google Docs to help create the show. And when they're writing uh, the scripts and everything, and so I was like, well, that's super cool. I've got to mention that. So um, any Stranger Things fans out there, go check it out. Just take a look and geek out for a moment. The fact that they use Google Docs and uh, we can talk about Stranger Docs on on Twitter a little bit later. <laughs> and if you were listening to all of this and it sounded all like a foreign language, like it did to me, then <laughs> you're in the camp with me because... Okay, feel free to judge if you want to. I know I'm putting myself out there for it. I have yet to see a single episode of Stranger Things, and I don't even really know what it's about. So, I mean, I sort of do. I know that it's, yeah, it's it's not, I don't think, my my kind of show. So, yeah. Feel free to <laughs> judge okay. if you I want just, to. But, I just yeah, revealed I'll, too much by telling people that I am a fan. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think you did at all. No, no. Now, see, I noticed that they they these guys were um, interviewed on Fresh Air on NPR. And I could I see I could geek out about that because I'm a big fan of lots of NPR shows, including Fresh Air. So, um, again, that tells you probably more about me than, than you probably <laughs> wanted to know. So. Anyway, what do you say we move on to yeah, something yeah. else? Um, what else is strange? <laughs> well, let me tell you, sometimes crabs are strange. Uh, because, see, there are these specific kinds of crabs that kind of like nestled down in uh, this awesome Australian island called Christmas Island. And they do this for much of the year to protect themselves. But then when it's time for them to spawn, they all go kind of like skittering across the the sand um, out to the ocean. And this is this is this really neat thing that happens on Christmas Island. And now Google has taken Street View and has been able to document that. So if this sounds like something interesting to you, you know, science related or geography related or just out of your own curiosity, if you want to go check this out, um, they have taken some Street View imagery and have... Um, you know, recorded these crabs in this phenomenon. So uh, there's a link to that in our show notes, of course, at googleteachertribe.com slash 35 if you want to check it out. 
Did you say the name of the article, Matt? No, <laughs> no, I didn't. Would you like to say it? I think you want to say it. Go ahead. It's a crabtivating journey. <laughs> yes, it is. That's See, right. Google's just as corny as we are. So yes, they are. <laughs> totally, totally agree. Yes. Well, yeah. um, if you if you loved the reindeer cam that we mentioned earlier, uh, check out the polar bears that you can now watch live from Google Earth. And so this is a connection back to explore.org. But if you if you open it up, of course, it's going to open in Google Earth. Um, don't be fooled like Matt and I were at first. The pictures you see when it first opens up are just are just the images they've captured. They're not the live version. You have to click play to go live. And so they have this tundra buggy that's out there with a camera. And so you can go uh, scroll around in Street View 360 degrees and see the frozen tundra out here and hope to catch the glimpse, uh, a glimpse of one of the polar bears. So right now I don't see one, but I, I think it's still pretty cool. It's kind of like watching the eagle's nest and, and when you get to see them and, and keeping an eye on it. So if you want to continue the wintry fun, you can go check that out uh as well yeah that that is that's pretty neat um i was just watching a polar bear a minute ago kind of like uh walking around and standing up on two feet and um on the on the highlights from that feed so it's pretty pretty neat stuff what we can do with you know with live feeds we can see reindeer we can see polar bears and it goes on and on. So uh, another quick update we wanted to tell you about was um this one has to do with templates and docs sheets and slides so Google is regularly adding to their template gallery of pre-created slides and docs and sheets and other things that um, they've already created them kind of like a template, obviously, uh, so that you don't have to do all of the work and create things from scratch. And so, so they've just added some new ones. There are some new project management templates in Sheets. And they've got some sales ones. I don't know if sales ones totally fit in the education space and human resources and freelancer engagement. But anyway, it's if you haven't, it, even if those don't totally fit you, um, this may be the little gentle nudge that you need to go check out what templates are out there. So if you just go to sheets.google.com um, or docs or slides, and then they've got all of these templates up there. So there may be something in one of those templates that can save you some time. Those templates are really nice. I think a lot of people kind of skip over those homepages. I know I do, and I, I kind of forget to go back. So, yeah, definitely go back and check that out. And I love the fact that they're making those available in other languages now as well. But I have a bigger update to share. You I'm going I'm right. to trump that. You get the good one. <laughs> no pun intended. We have a big update to Google Sites. It, it was actually kind of funny because someone was tweeting us it was Monica right. Spillman that yeah. yes, I remember that. Yeah, that's right. Right before this was announced, she's like, does it work now? And I was like, I don't think so. And it still said um, embed, but we now have the ability to add true embed code in Google Sites. Hooray! Yay! <laughs> yes, everybody is super excited about this one. So you can now embed HTML and JavaScript code directly into your sites. This was um, something I know that's been holding me back from really making use of Google Sites because I embed a lot of different things. Uh, we just mentioned just a few weeks ago sort of a workaround to embed a Twitter feed. Well, we don't even need that anymore. 
because we can do this now directly. And I have already tested it a couple of times, um, embedding like a padlet wall and things like that. So this just really opens up the door uh, for many more uses of the new Google Sites, which is beautiful, but it has been missing some of the really important features that a lot of us love. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've ever done any embed code with anything else, it works just like that. I mean, basically, you drag the embed little icon onto the screen. You can resize it to make it the the size that you want. And then you just paste your code. And if you've never done any embedding before, really, if you if you kind of poke around and play around with it, it's really just as simple as finding a place on a website where you want to get some content. And if they have a button that says embed, you just copy that code and then paste it into the place where it says embed in Google Sites. And it's really just that easy. Um, there is a post that we're looking at on the uh, Google blog where they take a Twitter feed. And so they just paste the embed code in there and then they hit next and poof, there it is. It gives you a kind of like a, a preview of what it's going to look like. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's live on your page. So um, this made, this does make it really easy to customize that embedded content. And it really does, like Casey said, um, really does open up a lot of the potential. So um, we're always curious to hear um, how you're using some of these things. So if you're excited about this like we are and have some ideas for it, then please do head to googleteachertribe.com slash feedback and shoot us a message or even tweet to the GT Tribe hashtag and let us know how you are looking forward to using this. Well, since we just had this huge news update about being able to embed HTML into Google Sites, Casey and I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to talk about how you can supersize learning with Google Sites and different things that we can do with using sites and being able to create our own websites and just having tools like this and other free website creators is really sort of a huge thing if you think about it, because it's not that long ago where you had to hire somebody who had some very specific skills. Now I'm thinking of Liam Neeson, Liam Neeson in Taken. <laughs> I, have a, I do have a very specific set of skills or whatever it was he said. Anyway, sorry, random tangent there. <laughs> but but you did have to hire somebody like that, you know, not Liam Neeson, but um, somebody who knew how to do web design and it would cost some money. Um, but now really we have the ability to publish to the web and potentially be seen by, you know, people all over the world with what we create on our website. And so really it's taken a lot of the middleman out when it comes to creating a website. Or if you had a message before where you wanted to get it out to lots of people. You might have needed to find a newspaper editor or a magazine or a TV station that would air you. But now, really, we have access to all of that. And Google Sites is the kind of tool that really gives us that access, I think. Yes. It, the new Google Sites is is beautiful. It really is. And we did an entire episode, actually, really early on in the podcast, episode three, all about the new Google sites where we really broke down like the tools and the how to side of things. So we thought today's episode would be a good opportunity with 
finally getting in bed code to really talk about how this can be used in the classroom. And, you know, there are a lot of different ways to use this. But even with the old Google Sites, when when I would teach workshops on Google Sites, I would always tell people it was an acquired taste. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It it was just one of those things that just wasn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. It looked kind of antiquated. It's clunky. There were a lot of, you know, sort of workarounds, but it was easy to hack. And so once you got used to it, it was pretty good. But the power of Google Sites now and then and putting that in the hands of teachers and students is the way that it talks to all of the other G Suite apps. It's beautiful. It, it, it is simple and, and it is clean. Uh, click and drag to add all of the various items that you're working on in the, the different G Suite applications. So you want to embed a Google form, you want to embed your slideshow. It, it really is much easier to do that in Google Sites than it is if you are going to an outside source that takes a little more time to build something like that. But I think it's a powerful tool to put in the hands of our students for creation and to show and demonstrate their own learning. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And, you know, the we, we talk about how important it is to give kids an audience more than just the teacher or more than just their own classmates. And so now they're able to publish and create things and then share them with, with a much bigger audience. So if you start to think about the kinds of student projects that this opens up, you know, students being able to create a website and then be able to put images and text and embed documents and other G Suite files and code from other tools on the web and all of that. And you start to think about what they can do. You know, one place that I think that that makes really good sense is if you're doing Genius Hour. And I know Genius Hour has kind of swept through the education community um, about giving kids some choice about what it is that they learn. And so as kids learn that, a logical outgrowth of learning about something you're passionate about is that you want to share it with other people. And so if you can take that learning and put it on a website that can potentially help other people, I mean, that's got to be enormously motivating. And in addition to that, it also becomes a really good product that they're able to show other people when it comes to I don't know, potentially getting into college or joining a club or even getting a job. Um, you know, that's one of those things where if kids create something really great that they've shared through a site, it becomes this great asset that they can build a good reputation on. Yes. It, the Genius Hour is a great use of this, of course, that the tie-in to all types of student projects. And and like we said, giving students a place to publish for the world, first of all, is is a huge, huge idea. Now, uh, I also sort of have a pet peeve about seeing some of the same kind of projects that I used to do in school, you know, still hanging around and, you know, the same like solar system that <laughs> we see hanging in the hallway year after year. And there's so many other ways that we can create more dynamic learning experiences and, and tapping into technology to take full advantage of, of what it has to offer. And, and not to say there isn't still room for hands-on creation. I'm not I'm not at all saying that, but but to to put things in an online format really does open a lot of doors for students and and to be able to connect and learn in different ways. Of course, 
you know, the genius hour idea, any kind of project based learning, science fair projects, senior projects. I've seen a lot in Google sites. Even as a teacher, you could have a Google site that was dedicated to your unit of study, because honestly, I'll still tell you when when I teach through Google Classroom. I still really need a home base that can do more than what classroom can do because it's, yeah, that's it's, a good point. it's what I used to use Google sites for. Whenever I would deliver a workshop, I would create a new Google site and I would put everything there. And so now I use classroom, but a lot of times I'll, I'll use them uh, together. And so I'll just put a link to the main website, the Google site in the about tab inside Google classroom to make that connection. And so that my students still have that home base, which I think is so important, but um, you know, giving students this this option is really easy and and the creation process this is not something that you'll spend a lot of time teaching how to right. uh, it is so uh, you know with the old sites yes because it was navigation was extremely confusing but if if that's holding you back don't let that hold you back because you have so many kids in your classroom who are going to click around and figure this out that it, it's going to save you tons of time. Now, one of my favorite ways to use Google Sites is for ePortfolios. And I know a lot of school districts have implemented various types of ePortfolios. They might be doing them in Seesaw or in um, some of the other platforms. But Google Sites is a natural place, I think. I think for for student portfolios because if they're already working in those other applications inside G Suite, like I said, it's pretty easy to click and drag and move things around and add those. And of course, you've got two sides of the ePortfolio coin, sort of the showcase, like the best of work, the kind of stuff that you want college recruiters to see, or um, you know those types of things. And then you've got the the progress of learning side of things, which which is also very powerful, so that they can see how far they've come in the learning process and document it. And, you know, now that we have that embed code, we can embed all types of reflection. I'm thinking Flipgrid, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how powerful a a tool that we have in Flipgrid and and, and all of the various other tools that we really, in the new sites, you kind of had to link or you could do this little iframe thing and it was ugly. It wasn't pretty. Um, The one thing I'm still really upset that is not... Uh, good yet is commenting. So, um, you know, as I mentioned in one of my previous blog posts about um, getting students to publish for a global audience, but I'm just putting it out there is not the end of the story. They don't know anybody else is looking at it if they don't leave a comment. Right. And so I, that is one of the pieces that I am begging Google for. Do you hear me, Google? I'm begging you. I'm begging you to make that an easier process because right now it's just not. And I even got that question the other day. Um, it's just it's just not something that that we can do. Um, a, another another question that I received on Twitter actually this morning was from uh, Caleb Paul, and he wants to use Google Sites, but he doesn't have G Suite for education. So it, it is a bit of a conundrum. I don't know if any anybody else is, is listening to this podcast and you don't have access to G Suite for EDU, but that does make things more difficult. Uh, first of all, G Suite for education does give us sort of a, a control of a walled garden, so to speak, of where our students can can create and play and you can have accounts and that sort of thing. Using it outside for G Suite EDU, it, it sort of depends on what age group you're working with. I would say if they were under 13 to begin with, I probably wouldn't 
wouldn't go that route. Um, but if there's any way that you can get parent permission for them to create and use personal accounts or something like that, obviously you would have to have permission mm-hmm. from admin and everyone, but um, not a simple solution and it's not going to work as well. It's not the, mm-hmm. the things, the selling points that I was mentioning earlier are just um, not going to be quite as easy to do if you don't have G Suite for EDU. So really, I would be begging my admin to get G Suite for EDU, really. Yeah. And I, another sort of hack I can think of when it comes to that is if you have, and again, as as far as uh, student permission for using this, um, I'm not a, I'm not totally sure on this, but um, I know in the past when I didn't have G Suite for education, um, what I would do sometimes is I would create a slide presentation or something like that, and then I would make it anyone with the link can edit, and then I would give my students that edit link and then give each one of them their own slides, and then they could go in and they could work through that. So I could see that. If you did something like that where you created, and again, this is a lot of work, but it, it would it would kind of be a workaround is if you created a link to a doc or a slide presentation in your own account, if you created one of those and then gave each student their own link to their own document and then started embedding those onto the sites, that's one way that you could potentially sort of work around it. But again, it's not the, the easiest, so... Yeah, and, and and with sites, it is a little more complicated too than than some of the other applications. But if anybody has suggestions for Caleb, please submit those to us um, through the website or on Twitter, and and help us help him find find a solution. I did want to mention one one other use here for for Google Sites that I've seen some great examples of, and and we have linked examples to to some different things here in the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 35. But I had um, a few people tag me on Twitter with some of their Google Sites. And the first one comes from New Zealand. And actually, I have to tell you, I have to open their website because I cannot pronounce it. But um, the the title, Teaka To. To, I can't even say it. It means a sustainable vine. And this is a oh, Google cool. a Google site uh, out of New Zealand. And yeah, it's, a, it's really interesting, um, just their school and their, their philosophy and everything that they have here. And please, I, I apologize for butchering the name, but the idea of the sustainable vine, um, their initiative aims to create a sustainable model where students can be successful in the future. And so I just thought that was great. And they created a really nice looking site. And I think that a lot of people just kind of need to see the possibilities when it comes to this. And they use this for professional learning. And, and, you know, it's a great way to to help the teachers. A lot of you are coaches in various positions and you're helping to deliver training and giving resources and tips and things like that. So I think a Google site is a natural fit for some of those things. Another site, too, that I wanted to mention comes from Sheba Ajmal, and she's from Pakistan. She's actually a student in uh, two of my online courses, and she has this fantastic site. I thought she just did a beautiful job. It's called Technology for a Cause, and the four is the number. 
Uh, but she has put together resources for her school on uh, technology integration and, and using technology for a cause, enhancing uh, skills to empower students. And she's got some great videos and things on here. So we have, have linked to this back in the show notes. And one other one that I wanted to give a shout out to is Finnovation from Christy Fenewald. And she's a friend of mine here in Texas. And she's actually my go-to when it comes to Google Sites. This girl's always on top of things and learning all the new tips and tricks. And she has a great website that, of course, she is using Google Sites for. And it's beautiful. And she's even got a page of all of her presentations with an awesome table that's embedded. And she's got all kinds of tips and tricks. So not only can you see a great example of a Google site, but you can go learn some tips and tricks from Christy. As you can see, we've got lots. There's so much potential when it comes to to sites and to be able to put it out there for other people to see. So if you haven't dug into the new Google sites very much, I think maybe, um, you know, for some of us having this embed code, this is the gentle nudge that we need. And if embed code isn't even really your thing, maybe now, maybe just by hearing it on the, the show here, this is the time to start checking that out and see how can you take that um, learning and those activities that you're doing in the classroom and maybe give them a little bigger audience or give kids a place to publish their work so that they can show at least friends and family and all of that. So, you know, hopefully the, the thoughts are, are starting to run and the wheels are starting to turn in your brain about this one. And again, one more time, uh, to check out all of these cool examples, um, that, that Casey mentioned earlier, you can go to our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 35. The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. It's time for the mailbag, Matt. I know. I love this. They, we always get the best stuff from our listeners. We do. And we had such a hard time trying to figure out which ones to pick for this episode. Thank you guys so much for submitting um, the the voicemails and sending us emails and tagging us on Twitter. Tons of great questions coming in. Unfortunately, we do not have time to answer everything. But we have some great questions that we want to share with you and some feedback. But before we do that, Matt and I really just want to take a moment to thank all of the people who mentioned us during the 12 days of Twitter. Uh, the podcast got so many great uh, reviews that everybody was just supporting us. And we greatly appreciate that and all of the love that we were receiving on social media. Yeah. And there's so many good uh, podcasts out there related to education. And if you didn't do this 12 days of Twitter um sort of like event or whatever you want to call it, uh, you can always go back to go to Twitter and check out the 12 days Twitter. That's the number 12 days Twitter all as one hashtag. And you can go find a lot of the the great podcasts and the other resources that people suggested. It was really a great, a great way to find things. And we are so deeply humbled and grateful for all of the mentions of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast during that. So first up, we have a speak pipe message from Andy Boatman, and he has a Google Classroom question. Take it away, Andy. Hello, Matt and Casey. This is Andy Boatman in Oklahoma. And I was wondering if it's possible to 
I have an assignment in Google Classroom, but I messed up and needed to update it, but I already gave each student a copy. And then when the student opens it, the updated version does not. Is there a way to do that without deleting the assignment and having to recreate the whole thing? Thank you very much. So, Andy, this is a question that Matt and I answer actually pretty frequently. And, and unfortunately, I do not have a, a an answer, I think, that will make you very happy. So when you use the make a copy feature inside Google Classroom, there is no way to go back and magically edit all of those copies at once. It, and if you think about it, it kind of makes sense in terms of how the system would work. Um, so once you create that assignment where you have made a copy for each student, if there was a mistake or you needed to change the template in some way, Unfortunately, you really just have to go delete the assignment and and start over, which I actually did this the other day during a workshop because it was something that I forgot to do. Uh, but Matt had a had a little bit of an idea that might be useful. Yeah, there's a there's a little hack that you could use where if you've already assigned a an assignment in Google Classroom and made a copy for all the students, I think of it kind of like sending emails. Like once an email is sent, then there's generally no bringing it back and it's it's kind of too late. But what I was thinking was what you could do is update the file the way that you want the students to have it, especially if it's a doc, because docs are so easy to highlight everything. And um, give students a link to that file uh, where they can only view it. So it'd be like anyone with the with the link can view. And so they go in there and they could just highlight everything that's there, copy and uh, go over to their own document, highlight everything in their document and paste. So basically they're copying it, copying it out of your document, pasting it into their own documents and depending on the abilities of your students, that could be something that could, you know, literally take like 30 seconds or less to get everybody the most updated version. So if you don't want to delete the assignment and start over from scratch, that's one one hack I think that could potentially work. And they could practice their copy and paste skills. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's right. So, all right. So our next one, this one comes all the way from Israel. And this is from Zohar Kaplan. And uh, the message says, I love your podcast. Try passing on the tips and knowledge I get listening to you to the teachers in our schools. And um, it says, we use Google Drive on a regular basis to share different files and data. Many times I'd like to share links in the Google in Google Drive. But in order to do that, I must open a Google Doc and post the link there. Is there any way I could share a link that will show as a file in Google Drive, just as I'll have a shortcut file on a PC. So kind of like comparing Drive to making a shortcut on a PC. So Casey, do you have any ideas on this? Not in Drive. And, you know, a lot of people have asked that. I think it would be sort of a useful tool. Maybe there is some sort of hack or extension out there that does something like that. But I... I am thinking about the Google Keep extension and how that might be useful here so that you could still add things to Google Keep and share them out. Or if you're using Google Classroom, you could even use the Google Classroom extension and push out links there. Mm, um, yeah. there there's different ways or e even just, um, you know, keeping keeping the links inside Google Classroom. I don't know if that's what you're using, but there really isn't an official way to just save a shortcut in Google Drive that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And I think that those are those are definitely some ways. And like 
um, like you mentioned, the, the, just making a Google doc and putting a link in it. If you can't think of anything else, that totally works. And then that also makes me, um, think of Symbaloo too, because Symbaloo is kind of like that, where you gather a whole bunch of links together on these little tiles and you can click on them and go off. So if you wanted to share it that way, that would totally work too. Well, I do have two favorite extensions that are completely non Google that I'll share as well. Uh, one tab will let you save groups of oh, links yeah. and you can share them out as one link or as a QR code. And Toby is another one. And I'm really becoming a pretty big fan of Toby, T-O-B-Y. And you can click and drag to create collections of links and um, share those out as well. It's a pretty nice little interface. And and like one tab, it will open every time you open Google Chrome. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. I I haven't checked out Toby. I'm going to have to take a look at that. So, And then the last one that we've got here is a a uh, video, or an, I'm sorry, an audio message that we got from Linda Biederman Hink, and she's talking about how she's you how she's planning on using Google Translate in her classroom. So, Linda, tell us about it. Hi, Casey and Matt. This is Linda Biederman Hink from Minneapolis, Minnesota. On a recent podcast, you talked about Google Translate. I have many Latino students in my school, and I teach language arts and reading, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. And for some of them, the hardest thing is the language barrier. So I plan on using Google Translate for them to hold it over their English so they can understand it in Spanish. I think this will really help and be a game changer for them. Thanks for the idea. Well, I totally love this idea. And I know that... You know, Google Translate has come leaps and bounds from when it started. I remember um, when I first started seeing this in the foreign language classroom, and it was so frustrating because students, of course, the first thing they thought of was to to copy and paste their assignments out of uh, Google Classroom for my Spanish class. And it was pretty easy to figure out who was doing it because it was not very accurate. But it's come a long way. And if it can help break down that language barrier, um, my goodness, that's I know that's one of the biggest struggles for English language learners is not that they struggle with the content, but they struggle with getting to the content through the language barrier. And if this is something that that makes that barrier of entry a little bit lower, I think that's great. And as Translate continues to get better and better, then obviously it makes that language barrier even lower. Yes. And thanks for sharing that, Linda. We'd love to hear that you're actually you know learning something that's useful and helping you and your students in the classroom. So let's check out some stuff on the blogs. And I wanted to start out with a post that I just recently published called Using Kahoot and Others the Way Your Brain Craves. And I have been on this big kick of how you can do brain-friendly learning. Like what have we learned about the brain through cognitive science and all of these studies and how it can come into the classroom. And there are some little adjustments that we can make to the way that we teach and the way that we use technology in the classroom that makes learning even stickier in the brain. And so one of my favorite examples of it actually does have to do with Kahoot, where if you're doing a Kahoot uh, quiz or asking questions, and once a question is done, if you see that students have struggled on it, a lot of times teachers will stop and use use that as an opportunity to explain the question over. Now, there's some, some brain research recently that says that 
if you include an example with it, that there can be a surge in how much students retain afterwards. So if you're doing Kahoot questions and you get done with one and students need a little bit of reteaching or a little bit of extra explanation, make sure you include an example in there too. And there's a good chance that they'll remember that a little bit better. What a great tip. I, you know, you don't think about those things when you're using tools like, like Kahoot, but um, right. that it could actually make some, some, some brain connections for us. So uh, thanks for that, Matt. And yeah. I'm super excited about your Ditch Summit. Uh, right. It starts, well, we're recording the day before. I know it will already ha- have yeah. taken place, but uh, I know that uh, you learned, you learned some of these great tips from, from some of the people who are speaking. In fact, yeah, the the one that I was just talking about that comes from um uh some some stuff that I've read from Dr. Pooja Agarwal, who is one of my uh, presenters. She's a cognitive science who's worked in or cognitive scientist who's worked in the K twelve world, and um, so yeah, she's going to be talking about this very same stuff. So if you're interested in checking this out, my my free online conference during the month of December, uh, definitely head to DitchSummit.com to check that out. Yeah, you don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that free opportunity. I have a quick tip to share that I I just published on the blog. So... This just really blew my mind, y'all. Um, I, you know, there are some some tips and tricks out there, and I, I, I do not know them all. I promise you, I do not. But what? Um, what? I, yeah, I, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but my friend, the brilliant Tony Vincent, uh, mm-hmm. put out a post, and of course, in his his great little info pick style, he was sharing some of the URL um, hacks that you can do in in G Suite. And, you know, I've been talking the, the, the praises of the force of copy for years, right? And so when you go into the URL of the link to your doc, sheet, slide, whatever it is, you would change the word edit to the word copy. And then you could copy and paste and put that somewhere else. And it's going to prompt that user to, to make a copy. Well, there's a big problem with that method and, and the fact that it's blind, so when you see that make a copy, you have no idea what you're making a copy of. And and so that drives some of us crazy, uh, so a couple of people on this podcast. And so, you know, we'll hack it and, and try to view it first before we decide if we want the copy. But, you know, templates make things easier. So instead of forcing a copy, change that edit to template slash preview. And when you do a viewing window will open up with a magic button that says use template. And all you do is click on that little button and it will make a copy, except it's not the really like make a copy and it doesn't name it, make a copy of. It's just like it's a regular template. And so um, I'm changing the way that I share all of all of my things on my site. But full disclosure here, I, I, I published the post and then went to go present at a conference and kept getting notifications of request to view, request to view yeah, right. <laughs> that fill up my inbox. And I realized that I forgot to share what I had just changed to a template. So it was still private. So just keep in mind, sharing still applies. And so, yeah, the thing that I was I was preaching about, so to speak, I, I actually didn't do myself. But uh, my apologies for that. I fixed it and, and we'll be um, sharing things this way. Now, one other catch too, it doesn't seem to work well on mobile, just FYI. 
I love this. This is this is going to make things really easy. And if you want to see what it looks like, we have a link to Casey's blog post where she has a little animated image that shows you exactly how it's supposed to look. And of course, you can find that at googleteachertribe.com slash 35. Well, I hope that your learning feels supersized after this episode. Since we talked about how we could supersize learning with Google Sites, we've talked about lots of these ways that you can start using it. And again, if you haven't dug into the the new Google Sites and some of its newer features, now may be the time to do it because there are some really cool things that we can do with that in the classroom. Tons of resources and ideas, I think, are, are in this episode. We hope you loved it, and we hope everybody is enjoying the holiday season. And thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Yeah, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power. And may the Googles be with you. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.